Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King, and I am your host today to take your questions and your prayer requests. I want to welcome all of our listeners on Grace FM up and down the front range uh, here in the metro Denver area, uh, down to Pueblo, up into Wyoming, uh, and and across uh, all of eastern Colorado. It's awesome to be able to be with you uh, together today to be able to just talk about the things of the Lord. If there's anything that I just am passionate about and love doing, it's to be able to talk about Jesus and to talk about his word. It's a great thing to, to do, and it's a privilege to be able to be with you today. I also want to welcome our listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland. Welcome. It's awesome to have you joining us today uh, to listen in. Also, Truth FM, which airs in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. It's great to be able to spend time with you. If you are on the East Coast, then you're listening to this broadcast on a one-week delay. Uh, and so just wanted to make you aware of that. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you're just kind of listening in, uh, but wanted to let you know that you are listening on a one-week delay. And as you're doing that, one of the benefits is that you can still call in. We'd love to take your calls, so please call in. We'd still love to hear from you, but you have the added benefit of then listening to yourself on the radio next week, uh, so you get to be able to do that. Also, I want to welcome all of our listeners online as well as through the Grace FM app. I know that we have listeners all over the country uh, and as well as all over the world. Uh, and so we love that you're listening in. We love to be able to spend time with you, uh, looking into the, the Word of God and, and spending some time thinking about the things that He thinks matters. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you, whether you want to give a call in or you want to send in a text message. I'll give you those numbers again here in just a minute. Uh, my name again is Cody King. I'm the lead and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, we're located in the North Metro Denver area. Uh, we are in the Commerce City area, uh, and it's uh, an awesome thing to be able to be here. My family and I are uh, church planters. We moved from Southern California uh, about five years ago and started a home Bible study. And uh, little by little, uh, by God's grace, he's added to the church and we've been able to uh, just minister to people as as he's brought them to us to care for, to love, to uh, share God's word with. And uh, we're just excited about the work that God's doing up here on the north side of the Metro Denver area. It's crazy and awesome to be able to be a part of it. Right now, we're actually currently holding Sunday services at the Holiday Inn in Brighton, right near the Prairie Shopping Center. Uh, so if, you, if you're from around this area, then you know where that's at. That's where you go to Target. That's where you get your Chick-fil-A. Uh, that's where you go to Home Depot, that area. So right near there, uh, there is a Holiday Inn Hotel, and that's where we're holding our Sunday morning services. We have sun, one Sunday morning service at 10 a.m., and I'd love to have you join us. Uh, if you, if you, maybe you're estranged from church, you've been disconnected from church for a long time, or you've been hurt, or you just haven't really felt the desire or whatever to go to church, and somehow, you know, my voice is reaching you right now, and you're thinking, I should probably check it out. I just want to confirm that the Holy Spirit's doing that in you, and you should, you should, you should 
take the opportunity to make that step of faith and and get to church because uh, church is is not necessarily the building; it's the people. And as we're connected with one another in fellowship, God does an amazing thing. He does supernatural things in us and through us. So if you're near there, if you're uh, you know in the the Brighton area, in the Commerce City area, uh, some of the Thornton area, we'd love to have you join us uh, at Redemption Calvary. You can check out. Uh, directions, messages, get more information about the church through our website. It's redemptioncalvary.org. Uh, that's redemptioncalvary.org. Check it out there. We'd love to be able to uh, to meet you and to be able to minister to you. Uh, right now, we're actually on Sunday mornings. We are currently going through a study through the book of Malachi. It's been really powerful, really amazing study. I've really enjoyed going through Malachi. We're taking a sort of a slow approach. Malachi's got four chapters and we're going to spend seven different weeks in Malachi. And the reason we're going to spend seven weeks in Malachi is because there are actually seven components to Malachi. It's it's really centered around the idea of six disputes or arguments that God has with his people. And as he's going through these arguments, we're taking them one at a time. Uh, it's been really great time together and, and uh, really looking forward to seeing what God has for us as we, we continue to jump into uh, the book of Malachi. Uh, we're going into, I think it's our fifth week this week, going into Malachi, uh, fifth of seven. And so we're getting close to wrapping up Malachi pretty soon as well. I always love not only starting a book, but finishing a book. It feels like such a, a huge accomplishment. Um, also, you can listen to our radio program. We have a radio program on Grace FM, uh, and it airs weeknights at 8 p.m. Uh, so that's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Uh, and we are currently studying through the book of 1 Corinthians there on Redemption Radio. Uh, it's been a, a pretty great study to go through 1 Corinthians, really challenging. Um, there's a lot of stuff that they went through in the church in Corinth that is very applicable to our culture today. Uh, so it's a really uh, challenging and powerful study to go through that. And in September, we'll be starting uh, the book of Daniel on Redemption Radio. So you can check that out. So that's weeknights, 8 p.m., also Sunday mornings at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, you can give me a call here on Grace FM at 303-690-3000 as we take your calls on Calvary Live, 303-690-3000. You can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. I'd love to be able to hear from you, uh, to be able to pray with you, and to see what God's doing in your life. Uh, one of the other things that uh, I'm a part of that I love to be able to talk about and be able to share with people about, it's something called the Expositors Collective. The Expositors Collective is um, it's really a, a training weekend uh, that is centered around a Friday and Saturday, a 24-hour period of time. Um, and that 24-hour uh, period of time is really devoted to uh, infusing sound Bible study and Bible teaching into younger preachers and teachers. Uh, we focus on the idea of uh, those who are um, between 18 and 34 who have a desire to teach the Bible. Um, and so that's open to men and to women. Um, and what we want to do is take seasoned, um, experienced Bible teachers and preachers 
and pair them up with younger people uh, to, in order to have sort of a mentoring relationship. And so uh, it's not like a, a conference. If you've ever been to a conference or you think of a conference where you go and you listen to a lot of speakers uh, speak throughout the day, uh, this is more centered around small modules of thought that then provokes some discussion within a cohort or a small group of about six uh, participants. And uh, we, we're just spending time going through different things like uh, the value of expository preaching, inductive Bible study, Christ-centered preaching, things like that, how to outline a message. Uh, so super practical, really devoted to uh, trying to help uh, invest in the younger generation of preachers and teachers. Uh, and so if you know somebody who is um, of that age range, 18 to 34, uh, then get them to the Expositors Collective. Uh, they will they will massively, massively be uh, invested in and grow as a result of it. I know for me, when I was younger, I would have loved to have something like this uh, to for somebody to teach me. How, how do you actually teach the Bible correctly? How do you know that you're doing it right? Um, how can you have the confidence to stand upon the authority of God's Word? Um, and, and what does that look like? And so for me, uh, there was a lot of time that I had to spend sort of in trial and error and just kind of figuring it out as I went um, and then picking up different trainings that I was able to find along the way. But this is really the best of the best of compiling all that information and, and packaging it in a way that I believe is really powerful. So if you're on the East Coast, if you're uh, near the New Jersey area, I'd love to be able to see you. It's going to be coming up, the Expositors Collective, September 20th and 21st. Uh, in Howell, New Jersey. That's where it's going to be located. You can check out the website, expositorscollective.com, uh, to get information and to register there. Um, but if even if you're not over there on the East Coast, um, it is worth the trip. I think you would absolutely love the time that is spent there. So I hope to see you there. Um, if you heard me on the radio and you have, end up happening to be there, I'd love to meet you there. So make sure you tell me that you uh, heard this announcement on the radio and that you showed up at the Expositors Collective. Um, so uh, give me a call, 303-690-3000, or you can also send in a text message, uh, 720-336-0897. I'd love to be able to uh, talk to you, to be able to uh, answer questions you may have or some prayer requests. So let's go to the text lines. Uh, I have a text here. Uh, someone's asking for prayer for uh, their son and daughter-in-law. They just miscarried their first child, and they would like prayer for comfort, understanding, uh, and that this event wouldn't drive them away from God, but actually toward Him. I think that's a great thing to pray for. Um, what, what, a, what a sad tragedy, and, and I'm so sorry to read this, and it, it breaks my heart because um, life is so precious, and God is, is so good to create life and to allow us to participate in that, and you know, it's it's really difficult when there is this hope and joy associated with uh, the the prospect of a child, and to have that miscarriage come is is it's hard. It's it's definitely very difficult. So uh, let's spend some time. Let's pray for this uh, this couple and ask for God's grace. Lord, as we come before you now, we want to ask for you to be near to this couple. We we don't have their names. We don't know who they are, but you do. You know exactly who this is. This is not a mystery to you. You can see right through all of the uh, corridors of time and uh, and space, and you know who sent this text message, and you know who uh, is experiencing this as well. God, there may be other people who are in this exact scenario, in this exact situation, that they need prayer as well. And so, Father, we want to pray for this couple that you would be near to them. 
that, Lord, this would be an opportunity for them to see you and your goodness and your glory and uh, that you would be exalted in their hearts and in their minds, that they wouldn't get distracted by the pain and uh, the heartache that they are experiencing, that it wouldn't pull them away from you, but that instead, in the middle of the hardship, that they would run to you, that they would see you for who you are, exalted, lifted high and glorious, and that we would be able to um, celebrate with them with uh, the the um, the children that you would add to them in the future. So, Father, would you do the work that only you can? Would you be gracious to this couple, to this family, and would you draw near to them and uh, cause them to draw near to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, here as we are thinking about uh, different things uh, for, for this uh, call-in show, uh, Calvary Live, uh, some of the things I was thinking about today is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is a really powerful section of Scripture, and uh, one of the things that stands out to me in Ephesians chapter 2 is uh, the idea of what it says in verse, starting in verse 8. It says this, uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then it says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the things that I love in the Bible is that there is, uh, there's a lot of different tensions that are brought to us through Scripture. That there are these different things about this one thing that's true and this other thing that is simultaneously true, and they seem to be opposite of one another, and yet God has designed them this way, these paradoxes, these things of tension, in order to mature us and grow us and develop us in our faith. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, we actually find one of those tensions. It says in verse 8, you've been saved by grace through faith. That this is something that, that is uh, only possible for you to receive salvation, which is the number one thing that your soul needs and requires, is salvation. You need to be saved. Well, the idea of being saved is, is to say, well, saved from what? what? What are you talking about? What do I need to be saved from? Well, you need to be saved from yourself. Um, the world is preaching a message to you every day that you need to fulfill yourself. And God's word says the opposite. You need to be saved from yourself, that you are actually your problem. You are your worst enemy. You're the one that's making stuff uh, uh, bad. It's not, it's not things out there that are making the world bad. It's actually things in here, it, within me, that are making things bad. And unless I'm saved, then everything's going to be in that fallen, uh, sinful, depraved, wicked slant. And so I need to be saved from that. I also need to be saved from God's righteous judgment against that wickedness. That, that because God is good, he needs to pronounce judgment upon that wickedness. That, that if he doesn't, then he can't be good. He can't be God. He can't be who he says he is. And so I need to be saved. That's the number one human need. Before you need um, food in your belly, before you need water to sustain you, before you need that breath you're taking right now, you need salvation. You need to be saved. And the only way that this can happen is by grace through faith. What a crazy idea. The idea of grace is the idea of not getting stuff, uh, excuse me, of getting stuff that you don't deserve. Um, I like to juxtapose this with the idea of mercy. And that's, mercy is the idea of not getting the stuff that you deserve. You know, when you, when you think about mercy, it's this idea of, um, I deserve punishment. I deserve 
uh, to be judged, um, and yet I don't get it. The idea of grace is the is the opposite of that, or it carries that even further to say, instead of getting the bad that I deserve, I get the good that I don't deserve. That's grace. I, I don't deserve anything good. I don't deserve anything from God. Uh, and yet he chooses to give me something good. It's it's kind of like if, if you were driving a car and you were speeding, let's say you're going 100 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour per, zo- mile per hour zone, and you blow through a red light and uh, you smash into another car and you kill somebody. Uh, if you do that, uh, and a cop shows up and and uh, they say, "Hey, you were I I was uh, over here on the side. I got you uh, on video and uh, this radar gun. I know how fast you were going. I watched you blow that red light and you killed somebody. You are in that moment completely guilty and completely condemned. And uh, the truth is, there's no way out of it. If if the cop was to just let you off and say, you know what, I'm feeling really nice today. I'm just going to let you off with a warning. It's not even going to be a written warning. It's going to be a verbal warning. That would, number one, that'd be a bad cop, right? But number two, that is the idea of mercy. You're, you're not getting what you deserve. You deserve to go to prison. You deserve to stand before a judge and to have a trial and to be, uh, to be under the, the full extent of the law. Uh, but if you are let go, that's mercy. Now, if the cop was to say, hey, I noticed that you wrecked your car. Let's go down to the car dealership. I want to buy you a brand new truck. That's grace. He's giving to you what you don't deserve. That's the idea of grace. And so when we're thinking about the idea of salvation, you can only get it by grace. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good stuff for, to get God to like you. There, there aren't enough religious hoops you can jump through. There's not enough uh, old ladies to walk across the street or money to give or enough pets you can rescue uh, from the, the uh, animal shelter. There's not enough good stuff to do. That you have got to receive this as a free gift of grace from God. That he provides all of it for you. So it's this idea of grace. But then in that... It's appropriated to you. How do you get it? How do you receive this? Well, it's it's by grace through faith. That the only way to receive this gift of salvation, the only way for you to get what your soul desperately needs more than anything else is by faith. That means that you've got to trust in and hope in and believe in something very specific. Well, the thing that you've got to trust in and believe in and hope in is the death of and burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That when Jesus was born into this world, born of the Virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross. He went to a Roman cross, and he was executed torturously, uh, and with his blood spilling from his body, for the singular purpose of redeeming, or buying back your soul. That's why the cross is so important. And the only thing that you, the only way that you can get that, the only way that you can receive that payment into your account and stand righteous and clean and pure before God is if the blood of Jesus washes over you. And the way that that happens is by faith. You've got to trust Jesus for this. You've got to, you've got to realize and come to the full assurance of understanding to say, that's true. I believe that truth. And I'm going to declare that belief to God. And I'm going to tell him that I believe it. And if you do that, 
Even if you're hearing this right now and something's happening within you that says, I need to do that. If you do that, if you cry out to God, then you will be saved. You've just got to ask him to, to forgive you of your sin and say, God, I don't want to live for my selfish, sinful tendencies anymore. I want you to be my God and I want you to save me. That's what we need. We need to be saved by grace through faith. Well, here's the thing. That's something that is a free gift given to you that you can't do anything to earn. It goes on to say in in verse 8, not of works, that, that there's nothing you can do to earn this because if you earned it, then you could say that you earned it. You could have something to boast about, something to glory in yourself about, to say, I've figured this thing out. I know what I'm doing. Well, the truth is that you can't You can't do that because nobody can earn their salvation. Only Jesus can earn it for you. But then there's a a tension. There's something else that takes place in this as we look at uh, verse 10. Because it's by grace you are saved through faith. And then verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. On the one hand, there are, are no amount of good works that you can do to get your salvation. But on the other hand, in verse 10, because you're saved, there are a lot of good works that you should be doing. Here's the best way I can say it. You can't work for your salvation, but you must work from your salvation. That there is stuff that God has designed for you to do. There are things that God thought about when he created the world, when he set things into motion, when he put uh, the world together and he had you be born at a specific time in human history to the parents that you have and the place that you're at, that God has placed you there and he's placed you there for a reason, that there's stuff he wants you to do. Listen to verse 10 again. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I just want to ask you the question, are you walking? Do you, number one, do you know what God has made you for? Do, do you have an idea of what that thing is? What has God created and crafted you for? And secondly, are you actively pursuing fulfilling that purpose with your life? There's a lot of stuff that you can chase down in your life. There's a lot of things that you can do with your uh, efforts, with your time, with your energy. What are you pursuing? Is it the stuff that God has made you for? Or is it a distraction pulling you away from the things that the Lord has made you for? Uh, I got some other thoughts on that, but uh, we'll pause there for just a minute. Hey, if you're listening in, welcome to Calvary Live. It is great to be able to be with you today. My name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. We are a Calvary Chapel church in the north metro area of uh, Denver. Uh, The city that we're in is called Commerce City, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to be with you together uh, today. If you are listening, I'd love to be able to talk to you. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000, or you can send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Let's go to the text lines, and uh, we have a text message here. Uh, Someone says, what happened to all the unbelievers during the Old Testament who lived outside Israel and did did not know get the chance to know about the true living God? I think it's a, a really good question. You know, you're thinking about, you know, what about people who don't know God and, and uh, what, what's going on with them and what's happening 
in the world with them. I think that this is um, this question is it's got a few layers to it, and I'll try to do my best to answer it as best I can. I think one of the first things that we've got to start with is the premise of the question. I think that the premise of the question is essentially saying that there are people who um, could. Uh, essentially with the idea of living outside of Israel in the Old Testament, uh, that there are people um, who didn't know who God was and never had a chance to know who God was. And so if they died, uh, then what happened to them? Another way that this question is phrased is, what about people in some far off place living in this you know undisclosed location it's this unknown people group living in the jungles of the amazon they've never heard of jesus so what about them when they die i think that the premise of that question essentially is coming from it uh from a perspective that says that um if these people die and they don't know the 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 lord then theology would say that they would go into eternity apart from God. And the tension of that question says, doesn't that make God bad? Isn't there something wrong with God if that's true? And so then as people wrestle over this, they try to come up with a whole bunch of different ideas about how to answer that. And you know, some people have said, well, there's no such thing as hell. Uh, that was just a euphemism. Or some people have said, no, it's not that. It's it's uh, the idea of what's called annihilationism. That people they'll uh, they will go to hell for some time, but then they'll just kind of burn up like a piece of wood and go out of existence, sort of a thing like that. Or some people have said, you know, um, the truth is that uh, people do they go to hell for a certain amount of time, but they can do good stuff and work their way out of hell. Uh, or even the thought of um, I can do things for people who have died, maybe my family members or whatever, and you know, so long as I'm thinking about them and doing stuff for them, then somehow I can buy them out of hell or something like that. All of those are heretical concepts that are not biblical at all. Uh, those are all man's thoughts about how to alleviate this tension and how to figure out what's going on. And I think that what we've got to do is we've got to back up a little bit and go to the idea of who God is. And, and where I go in this is I, I first go to the idea of who God is in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, uh, it says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So here's the thing. Uh, the, the reality of this is that uh, people are looking at this saying, you know, uh, I'm, I'm coming at this saying, well, people just don't know about God. They don't know what's happening with God. And Romans chapter one says that um, in, in there in verse 19, that they, uh, they know about God because it was manifest in them. It, essentially, God is putting something within people to say, I'm here. Now, whether or not they respond to that, that's up to them. And that's something that you have felt. 
It's something that you know about. And it's not because you live in America and you have this Western Judeo-Christian ethic. That's not why you know about God. Yes, you are given more opportunity to get close to God, but he has placed something within you that just knows there is a God. And then it goes further, not just within you, but also outside of you. There's something else outside of you. In verse 20, it actually says that you should look at the things that are, you look at creation, and your logical conclusion needs to be someone made this, someone's bigger, someone is out there. And it says there that you should even be able to draw the conclusion about God's character and nature, his, the Godhead from creation itself. And so I think that, you know, the, the premise of this question here uh, about what happens to unbelievers in the Old Testament when they, when they died and they were outside of Israel, it, it, it sort of comes from the assumption, and, I, and I'm not, I don't know, maybe this isn't from you, but this is the way I've heard it phrased for the most part. The assumption is that people didn't know God, they died outside of knowing God, God didn't reach them, therefore God is bad. And I think that the, the premise of the statement is flawed because we can't know. We can't know about what's going on uh, with within people and within their hearts and lives and what God's doing in them. Uh, but we can know that God is working. Uh, so I, I think that within that, that we've got to, when we don't know what we, when we're faced with what we don't know, we got to go back to what we do know. Uh, so, hey, uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name's Cody King. We're going to take a break and we will be right back on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's up? My name is Cody King, and I am your host today, taking your questions and your prayer requests here on Calvary Live. Uh, I want to welcome all of our listeners from uh, Grace FM on Grace FM up and down the front range here in beautiful Colorado. Also, I want to welcome our listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM. Hey, if you're on the East Coast and you're listening to this broadcast, you're listening on a one-week delay. Just want to remind you of that. Uh, please still call in. We'd love to be able to take your calls, to be able to uh, answer questions you may have or prayer requests as well. Um, but uh, just know that it's going to be on a week delay, uh, but you have the added bonus of listening to yourself next week. We also want to welcome all of our listeners online and through the Grace FM app. It is awesome that you are joining us today. We count it as such a privilege. My name is Cody King, like I said. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, you can check our website out at redemptioncalvary.org uh, to find out our location and service times and all that kind of stuff. Listen to messages, uh, all those kinds of things. We are located in the northeast metro Denver area. Commerce City is where we're at. We're currently holding Sunday morning services at uh, the Holiday Inn in Brighton near the Prairie Center Shopping Center. So if you're from this area, you know where that's at. Uh, and uh, we got one service at 10 a.m. I'd love to have you join us. All right, so let's go to the phone lines. We've got uh, Mark on line one calling from Maryland. Mark, you're on Calvary Live. Hello, hello. Um, I was listening to your broadcasting um, radio station last for last week and made a okay. mistake. But um, anyway, um, I noticed that you 
gave some information about you on your email. It was for um, it was for what was it? Oh, it was for the um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it was proof. And you'd given like a two hundred and some page essay or writing on eyewitness accounts, I guess it was, and okay. many other things. And it was an actual caller that called in. And I gotcha. wanted to um, get all your information so that you could email that to me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I was not the host uh, from that radio broadcast. Uh, and so I don't have uh, that information. Um, I, and I'm not sure what it was. But what we can do is um, we can... Uh, have you leave your uh, email address with the radio producer and uh, they can research who that was and they can get that uh, information emailed over to you for sure. We'll, we'll reach out to whoever that, uh, that was. Um, oh, actually it looks like it was a, uh, an article from there, the, the uh, programmer or the, uh, uh, our, our radio programmer is just uh, let me know who it was. It looks like it was a Don Stewart article. Um, and if you email pastor ed at calvaryaurora.org, then they, and just ask for that Don Stewart article on the resurrection, uh, then, then we'll get it over to you. Okay. And, um, I wanted to ask one other thing, um, about, um, evangelizing. Yeah. Um, I actually, um, do some evangelizing. I don't do it um, on a regular basis, but I do feel the Holy Spirit pushes me to do it. Mm -hmm. I guess partly because I'm an extrovert, and it comes natural to me just to talk to people. That's great. And I just love talking to people in general, but the thing is, is um, sometimes what to say and what sure. not to say, because I've been yeah. in conversations where I don't, can't defend myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really, really good. I, I know that, you know, for me, I, I know exactly what you're describing and talking about. I remember just this sense of, uh, what do I say when people ask me questions about different things that I don't know about? And I think for that, you know, one of the things that I had to do was uh, just kind of, I don't know, I guess for, for me personally, was I had to kind of get over myself and just be okay with not having all the answers um, and just doing my best with what I do know and coming to people and talking to them about the different things that are, that are on my heart and mind about the Word of God. Um, but then also, as people ask me questions that I didn't know and I didn't understand or I had never heard that argument before or whatever, it also gave me the drive to go find out. I didn't want to be caught in that situation again. I wanted to know how to answer that question. And so um, I think for the most part, it's it's just being faithful to step out in faith and to say something. Um, because the reality is that even, even the best argument isn't going to—you can't argue people into the kingdom of God. It's got to be something that the Holy Spirit's doing in them, that, that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, working on their heart— and um, I've even had people where they look like they're just stone cold. They don't want anything to do with what I'm talking about. Uh, and then later on, God did a work in their lives to bring them uh, to himself or to bring them to a, a place of repentance. And so um, I think the biggest thing is, number one, to trust in the Holy Spirit to do the work. And then I think, number two, the, the second thing would be um, keep the conversation about Jesus. 
that that when you're talking to people about different things and about uh, you know spiritual issues, because that's typically where it starts off. I think that you want to get to Jesus as fast as you can, and you want to talk about Jesus as much as you can, um, especially when you're gonna when you're talking with people who have other beliefs that are non-Christian beliefs, like uh, Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever. They're gonna want to talk about a whole bunch of other things that are uh, extemporaneous. They're they're just all these peripheral thoughts that really have nothing to do with anything. Um, and the truth is, the reality is, talk about Jesus. I think that's what matters the most. So if there's any two pieces of advice to give on evangelism, that's what I would say. I think the other thing is in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my wit- uh, be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so um, I think that uh, one of the things that we've got to subtly shift in our mind, and I only say this because I heard the verbiage uh, in in the way you uh, articulated the question. I think we got to shift the the way we think about uh, witnessing away from a verb and toward a noun. And that's to say, I don't go witnessing. I am a witness. I don't. It's not something I do. It's something I am. And Jesus said that the way that that's going to happen is when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and His power is flowing through me. Uh, and so I, I think that in doing the work of an evangelist and in bringing the gospel to bear on people's hearts is very important. But in terms of the way I understand the idea of a, of a witness, the Bible uses that word with the idea of a noun and not the idea of a verb. And so I think that we've got to shift our mentality that way as well. So I hope that helps you. Well, I wanted to I wanted to comment on that. Um, sure. Yeah, that was very good information. Um, I'll notice with me sometimes I will strike up a conversation or or we'll get into a conversation I've had it with various people but um, and they'll ask me a question and I'll get stumped I'll be like oh man I don't know what to say now and sometimes um, I'll try to give my best knowledgeable answer Mm -hmm. or instead of just saying I don't know. And sometimes I think I make it worse for myself Yeah. than just saying I don't know. And then sometimes, well, let me ask you this. When you share the scriptures, I've always wondered, if you're going to share the scriptures with somebody, should it be verbatim, word for word, or when you share, or can it be somewhere along the lines of what Jesus Christ and his apostles said? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, I think that, so to talk to that first thing that, that you said, I think that you're absolutely right that when you try to answer a question that you don't know the answer to, you often do way more damage than if you just say, I don't know. Um, I think there's sort of a a humility that we need to have to be able to say, you know what, I just don't know everything. And that's okay. And I think that if you say that to people, um, then, I mean, some people, they're just going to have this gotcha attitude. Yeah, I knew I had that question that you weren't going to be able to answer. Uh, and for that, it's, you know, those are the kind of people that I don't really care to have conversations with anyway, because they're not genuine questions that they're asking. They're just trying to get me. Um, but, you know, if, if someone has genuine questions and, and they ask a question that I don't know how to answer, then I, I'm okay with saying, you know what, I, I don't know, I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about that, praying about that, and and researching, and maybe even asking somebody else about it. Do you mind if I could get back to you on that? 
And then from there, that's where I would go right back to something about the, the cross, something about the gospel, something about Jesus, because that's what they really need to hear. Um, I think the secondary aspect of it, um, where you're saying, what about the, the words that I use and quoting the Bible? Um, I think that what we want to strive to do is to be able to quote the words of the Bible as close as we can. Uh, but remember that you're working from a translation. So, um, you know, you're, you're actually not quoting the Bible word for word when you speak it in English. So um, in a sense, uh, you know, unless you're going to tell them Greek, they're not going to know that anyway, or Hebrew or, or Aramaic. Um, they're not going to know that language anyway. Uh, and so you're going to have a, a struggle with that. So I think that that sort of, I hope what that does is it alleviates some of the tension of that. But on the other side, I want to put more tension back into it and to say, I, I, we believe in the inerrancy of scripture, which means that we believe in the verbal plenary inerrancy of the Bible, the verbal meaning the words of the Bible, uh, not just the thoughts, but the words, uh, are inspired by God. Uh, and we believe, uh, plenary means all of them, not just some of them, but all of the words that God chose the words that he chose and he selected them and put them where they're at on purpose. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think that when I'm thinking about that, I want to quote the scriptures as closely as I can, because I'm not conveying an idea as much as I'm conveying God's word and God's word carries an idea with it. Uh, and so I guess, yes, <laughs> both and uh, to that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll have to um, study more, but also sometimes I want to feel like a, I have to be an encyclopedia when it comes sure. to the Bible. Yeah. So that I can answer every question, and yeah. because sometimes I feel if I don't give them what they want, and then I feel like I've I haven't made them happy, and then sometimes sure. um, I feel like I haven't met certain expectations, yeah. and um, I, I set the standards really high, and I was like. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. and 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 they're going to walk away, and they're going to they're going to. Um, I guess sometimes they're going to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and um, I'm going to come out as the winner. Sometimes, yeah. and yeah. and and then I think afterwards, uh, it could be a couple hours later or a day later. I'm like, just oh, I didn't handle that too well. <laughs> Why did I come up that way? I didn't handle that too well. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's good, but then other times it's just like, yeah, it's like absolutely. a one a method or a way of doing it. Well, I think so that, that it, you know, within that, there's some tension that's that's placed within there. It's one of the things that I I opened the show with is this idea of tensions that we have we find all throughout the Bible, and you're describing one of them. And the tension is that I bear the burden of responsibility to preach the gospel. It's something that God has called me to do simply because I draw breath and I know Jesus. Um, and so I need to be able to, to tell people about him. But simultaneously true is, I don't save anybody. The, the Lord is the one who saves. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. And even though I have the best, most airtight, solid arguments, that's never going to get people into salvation, because salvation is, Ephesians 2.8, by grace through faith. And so they need yeah. to be brought by the Holy Spirit to the point of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a sense in which I want to do my best and and I want to give solid, logical arguments. I hate when people say, yeah, I just left the church because no one can answer my questions, because I think mm-hmm. yeah, there, 
there are really good answers. You just need someone to spend the time to talk to you about it. But at the same time, I think for you, what I hope to speak into you in this is to say, let yourself off the hook a little bit. You know, Jesus is the one who saves, not, not Mark. And so let the Lord do that work through you, pointing you back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's the Holy Spirit's power as he comes upon you. So I think just be faithful to step out in, in faith in the Lord and trust him to do the work that only he can do by bringing the gospel to bear upon the hearts and souls of men. Yeah, I I I appreciate that. Um because I I did think about that one time. I was like maybe maybe I I'm trying too hard. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to do what I can't do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to be like um like trying to save them. Yeah, and exactly. when really it's not me that's saving them, exactly. I'm just sharing the word of God, and then it's like throwing a seed out there. Yeah, well, I think that the I'm, other thing I'm that can happen, the other thing that can happen in that is that I end up. Let's say I do present the gospel and they do respond to it, then I think I had something to do with it, and then all of a sudden my pride is incited, and I think, man, I'm so awesome, and it's all about my glory, and then now I've fallen into sin by doing something that's good. Uh, by sharing the gospel. And so I think there's, you know, there's definitely pitfalls all around it uh, and just trusting in in the Lord to use you. Can I pray for you, Mark? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, Mark. Sounds like we lost you. Lord, I thank you for Mark. Yeah. I pray that you would uh, bless him and encourage him and cause him to be filled with your Holy Spirit, just like we read in Acts 1-8, that you would cause him to be a witness to you and that you would use him powerfully and mightily to be able to bring people into your kingdom, uh, that you get all the glory and that we would rejoice over the work you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Mark. And I wanted to make... I- I'm here. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. I wanted to make one quick comment, um, sure. and we can, I can finish up. But um, usually, something that I heard—I I can't remember if it was a theologian or a pastor that I was listening to—but um, on the internet, and he said, "Once you shared it, walk away. Sure. Don't don't try to make it. Don't try to get into a bunch of discrepancies." And I believe it's Timothy. It was it was Second Timothy, I believe it was, or it was Paul. They said, don't get into squabbling over a lot of um, silly stuff. Yeah. Just focus on what's important, and that's what just matters. sharing the Word of God and then moving on, and then just go into prayer and pray for the person and sure. leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that there's a, a sense in which you've got to be discerning in that, you know? Uh, like I said, I, I don't really spend a lot of time with people who just want to argue and, and for the sake of argument. Uh, with them, I'll present the gospel. If they don't want it, then that's that's on them. But if people have genuine questions and they're re- really wrestling over things, man, I'll make all the time in the world to talk through things with them and to help them through it. So uh, I think just ask the Holy Spirit for that discernment to know with the person that's standing in front of you, what do they need and how much time should I spend on this and allow him to lead and direct you. So awesome. Thanks for calling in, Mark. God bless you. Same to you, um, sir. Um, right. Have a good one now. Bye-bye. Yep, you as well. Thank you. Bye. God bless Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King here in studio taking your calls and prayer requests. Let's go to line two with Jason. uh, Jason, you're on Calvary Live. Jason, are you there? Yeah. All right. Hey, you're on Calvary Live. Hey, I'm from, I'm a Christian. I'm from the uh, Baltimore area called Greater Grace. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, What was that? Say that again? 
Greater Grace. Greater that, Grace. No, I don't know about that. Yeah, they're on the internet. Yeah. Hey, when this in the Revelation, right? It says he's coming back with ten thousand of the saints. Uh, what is actually he talking about? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, what what he's referring to there in Revelation of returning with ten thousand of his saints. Uh, is the idea of the second coming of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the moment at which uh, Jesus returns to the earth, and he's coming back with, uh, with the saints. Um, and so what, what uh, that looks like timeline-wise is the very next thing that we're looking for on the prophetic scale is to say uh, we're looking for the... Um, uh, the rapture of the church. That's in First Thessalonians chapter 4, where it talks about that idea of the rapture of the church. Now, in the rapture of the church, the church is taken out of the world, and then the, the events of Revelation take place. And then at the end of Revelation, Jesus returns to establish himself as God, as King, as Lord, as ruler, and we get to come back with him, uh, those who have placed their faith in Jesus prior to that rapture. Or, you know, those who have, have died in faith previous to the rapture of the church come back with him. So that's that's what that's talking about. Well, there's millions of people in heaven. How come it just says 10,000? Yeah, so it's not necessarily 10,000. It's just more of a euphemism of lots. That's kind of what that means. So uh, especially in the the Bible times and with those writers, they didn't have words the way that we do to describe numbers. And so they would say thousands of thousands or, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things, or ten thousands. It's a euphemism that means a lot. So it's to say an innumerable amount, lots and lots of people. Oh. Hey, which I wasn't when we eat in heaven, right? When we eat and drink, where, where does it, is, does it just... The, the, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, man. It's, uh, it seems as though when you look at the resurrection, resurrected body of Jesus, uh, that he, you know, comes back from the dead and he spends time with his disciples. Uh, he's got this resurrected body and it's the same and different. It's it's similar in that he looks like a man, but it's different in terms of he can walk through walls and he can sit down and eat a meal. Uh, and so, you know, it looks similar, but has some different kinds of properties. Also, Jesus looked different, uh, but then once they figured out uh, that it was him, even though he looked different and they didn't recognize him at first, then they were able to recognize him. And so there's some mystery involved with it in terms of that. But uh, um, some theologians would say that we're, we're returned back to our state, kind of in the, the Garden of Eden, how God originally created man. Uh, and so, um, you know, there's there's some mystery involved with that. But uh, we're, we're definitely told in Revelation that there's this wedding feast that we get to participate in. And so how it's going to work, what it's all going to look like, not not exactly sure. Thanks for calling in, Jason. It was great to talk to you. All right. God bless you, Jason. All right. Uh, let's go to line three and Shelly in Colorado Springs. Shelly, you're on Calvary Live. Hi, sir. I have a question sure. um, about prayer. Yeah. Okay. My question is this. So, like, whenever we pray, do is it okay to pray, like, without talking words like how can you explain this it's like whenever you pray i know 
I always thought, well, I need to pray out loud, and I okay. and so I was doing that for a long time. But now I'm working, I'm busy. I literally don't have a minute that's by myself, and mm-hmm. so sometimes I'll just start praying right there where I'm at, like while I'm working or whatever. But just like in my mind, like not and in my heart, but like not out loud. Is that does God even hear that? Yeah, I think that's a really really good question. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. God does hear that. Uh, in the Psalms, we're told that God knows our thoughts from afar off before we even think them. Uh, right. And so, yeah, God knows those things. I think that uh, when we're considering the idea of prayer, uh, it it is extremely valid to say, you know, um, you know, I, I'm not in this position where I have these uh, external opportunities for prayer. I know that you know when I'm talking to people sometimes. Um, I'm in my mind as I'm talking to them, I'm praying saying, God, would you help me to be able to say what I need to say to this person and, uh, to help them. And so I think that, you know, in that it's, it's completely valid to do so. Um, and so I would answer that with a both and I guess, kind of an answer. I, I think that what we tend to do is we tend to think of things in terms of either or, um, right. and for the most part, Life is a whole bunch of gray area in the middle where it's both and, not either or. Um, and so I think that uh, it's important for us to um, to consider how we can, well, like Paul says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you have to be on your knees talking the entire time uh, for all your life. I mean, how would you, when would you sleep? How would you go to the bathroom? How would you yeah. eat dinner? You know, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't be possible. So I think there's a sense in which there does need to be set aside dedicated times to prayer. And then on the other side, there needs to be times where I am in this praying without ceasing, where I'm just always aware of God's presence in my life, if that makes sense. And I'm always communicating with him as if he's my best friend just right there with me, because he is. That's the reality. Also, 1 Corinthians talks about the idea of, of groanings, that there's these these things within me that I, you know, I'm not even sure, and that the Holy Spirit prays uh, through you right. and and with you in these. Gro- Actually, I think that's uh, I think that's John. I have to look it up. Uh, but the Holy Spirit prays through these through these groanings, and so right, I've you know, heard I that before. Yeah, let, I'll, let me look that verse up because I, I want to make sure I I can um, tell you where that's at. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I think the thing is that I want to keep this constant communication um, open with the Lord. Yeah, and, and, and so I have kind of a second part. What about praying for people who are obviously, like, I'm pretty sure they're saved. They've okay. been saved. Okay. I I mean, I'm pretty sure I was there. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I know we don't really know people's hearts, but I was pretty, I'm, you know, and so you continue to pray for them, but they're not really walking with the Lord. But yet, but I mean, I was like that before where I wasn't, I wasn't walking the way God wanted me, but God still would bring me in. He brought mm-hmm. me where I am now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm Amen. not perfect or anything, but he brought me He brought me to the place that I am now with yeah. him. And so I know that he can do that for them. But what is what is that? Like, is there another, like, how would you pray for someone like that? Like someone that is an absolute, like their life is in danger. Their yeah. life is in a bad place. I mean, even like... Like they just they're just in a bad place and yeah. they can't think for themselves because for sure. maybe they're addicted or maybe they're they're being uh, abused and they can't and when a person is abused they can't think 
they, they, they don't have the mind to make some of the decisions that they need to make that would better themselves. Yeah. So how would you pray for a person that's in that mindset, that their mind isn't on God, their mind is just all over, on, yeah. Yeah, all over the place? Absolutely. How would you do that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Just so that you know, we've got a couple of minutes left in the show, so I'm going to try yeah. to try my best to answer that and, uh, you know... Uh, if it feels rushed, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I apologize for calling so late. Oh, it's okay. So uh, in that, uh, just uh, the verse I was talking about before is actually Romans chapter 8, verse 26. That's where the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness with these groanings that can't be uttered. That's that, those times that, where you have where you're like, I don't even know what to pray. Um, yeah. And I don't have the words for this. And the Holy Spirit will, will help in that weakness of not being uh, able to do that. Um, to answer the other part of the question, uh, I'm going to answer that in a way that I don't think most people really, I don't think it, it will really, they'll like it, uh, but it, I think it's the right way to pray because it's exactly what my sister prayed for me, but it was before I was a Christian. Um, uh-huh. My sister prayed a prayer that was like a get him Lord kind of a prayer. Um, she was praying, God, would you save him and would you protect him? And she's praying all these kinds of things. And then her prayers subtly shifted to say, God, do whatever it takes to get to the heart of my brother. And as she prayed that, she watched God take my life apart and bring a lot of pain into my life. And it was through that, that I was able to come to repentance and come back to him. You see, actually come to him for the first time in in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, uh, in, in verse 7, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? And then down in verse 11, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful uh, for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what I my advice in terms of that prayer would be, pray, pray get them, Lord, kind of prayers. Pray, God, bring them to the end of themselves. Pray things like, yeah. God, don't let them have any joy in that at all. Cause it, yeah. cause this, that whatever they think they're eating, that's awesome to turn to dust in their mouth. And that might sound harsh, but right there in Hebrews 12, 11, it says that kind of a thing. That's what actually brings us to the, to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Right. Okay. I gotcha. Awesome. I gotcha. Well, thanks for calling Thank in Shelly. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King. It's been a privilege and joy to be with you today. Uh, Just a reminder, you can listen to our radio program, Redemption Radio, uh, Grace FM, weeknights at 8 p.m. Also, check us out online, redemptioncalvary.org. I'd love to be able to see you at church, so count this as your invitation. God bless you. Until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.